Hey everyone, welcome to episode 204 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff. It's episode 8 in our whole life of social distancing and virtual worship, remote call-in podcasts, the whole thing. And we are embracing our roles as Orlandonians in our current series. And if you haven't heard any of the previous messages about the Orlandonians, definitely check it out. Last week at the end of the podcast, I announced that we'd be launching a new podcast that will feature the audio from each of our weekly messages. Now, this should hopefully be ready next week, Tuesday, May 5th, if all goes according to plan. Our podcast hosting platform will also be changing during this time, but it should be a pretty seamless transition that no one will notice but me if all goes well. So, But if you listen to the podcast on your laptop or desktop, or you know somebody that does, please have them reach out if they have issues to me at podcast at wholelife.church. There might be a little bit of interruption there as we make the transition over the next couple of weeks. So podcast at wholelife.church if you have any issues, and I promise I will help you get those solved ASAP so that you can continue to listen. All right. This week in the Paul's letter to the Colossians slash cut out strike through Orlandonians, Jesus Christ is supreme. And I wanted to start this out with a quote that Andy brought up early on in his message that came from last week's podcast, episode 203. It was a quote by Jeff as we were discussing this idea that we can't add anything to Jesus' work in us. And when we do, it sloshes a little of Jesus from our bucket. I can't say that without smiling. It sloshes a little of Jesus from our bucket. <laughs> Because it's, so tr- it's so true, and it's such a great quote. I just, I love it. Jeff's quote was, anything we attempt to add diminishes Jesus. And as Jeff so well pointed out, it also diminishes the God and Jesus we hold up for others to see. That quote and the thoughts that have surrounded it in my mind have just been running circles and laps. And it's just caused me to reflect on how things I've said or done, continue to say and will do. What do they say about the Jesus that I'm holding up? And would I, would I want people to see that Jesus? Or would Jesus want to be represented in the way that I'm doing this? <laughs> and wow, that's a profound idea if you stop and think about it, because it, it really makes you stop and think about how you view yourself, how you view Jesus, Christianity, this whole thing. And it, 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 yeah. puts, it puts some responsibility on us. Yeah, is is the good news you hold good news to anybody else? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. That is so true. Well, it was just such a good point then and now, and it just—I uh, hope you just let that one sink in. And if you didn't listen to that message, go back and check it out because it really was a great conversation. And that was just that quote was amazing, but just one piece of it. All right, this week I'm going to be the first to admit that I have questions. I have questions all the time, and when I read and attempt to understand many things in the Bible, I have more questions. I become terribly confused, okay? Terribly confused. Now, I can be – I mean, that probably isn't a revelation to many that know me real well, okay? But I also know that I'm far from alone in this issue. So when addressing this lack of understanding and persistent confusion, Andy quoted – started us off in quoting Colossians 1.15 – Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. And then continued with, this is written like a legal document to remove all loopholes. What Paul is saying is that whatever role the physical world plays, whatever role the angelic world plays, whatever role some divine emanation might play in the story, they are all subservient to the supremacy of Christ. 
Are we taking this literally to mean that even God himself is subservient to the supremacy of Christ? Is that is that correct? Or is it because they're all the same? It doesn't it just doesn't matter. I, I'm not sure. What are we saying here, Andy? It'd be, it'd be hard to have God subservient to God. <laughs> right, yeah. right. I mean, it just. Yeah, but I'm confused. But but, but he did. Paul says another place that it, uh, that Jesus Jesus gets a name that is above all names. Mm-hmm. Um, this walk that he did on this earth, and God incarnate, gives him some place of supremacy. Uh, I do think we have to understand as i read that i i I don't profess to be an expert on this but i was talking with with zed about it and i i'll give zed that credit (laughs) yeah right exactly um, (laughs) (laughs) but um it is interesting that we tend to make hierarchical assessments when we read these kind of things and really a lot of times we need to establish roles in other words, the role that Christ plays here on earth and what he does is a role that nobody else can do and nobody else can hold. And so in that regard, yeah, he is he is supreme, I guess you'd, you'd say. He's but supreme in the job he came to do. In the job that he came to do, exactly. That okay. role. Okay. Yeah. When you start to think about that, I mean, I know there's many things that I'll, I'll probably never understand. And, you know, I agree. Give Zed the credit as being the expert, because if there's someone whose opinion I would trust, uh, you know, without even thinking about it, it would be his. And it just this is one of those things that just seems to be, you know, maybe just beyond our total comprehension. But I just think that it's one of those things that can easily sidetrack us. And what we're really saying here is it really shouldn't. We should just take this at face value. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know if if you if you think of a um, a familial situation, we tend to even think of father and son as one over the other, right? Okay. Or husband and wife. Same yeah. Thing. Okay. But if we think more familially or more tribally, um, Mufasa and the Lion King and the young Mufasa are not disequal. They're just at different stages, and mm-hmm. our minds go hierarchical so easily <laughs> as a verse, as versus yeah. collaboratively shared power, shared glory. That's just like, well, who gets the most? Well, it's shared power and shared <laughs> glory. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No, for sure. And I don't ever remember reading – or hearing verse 19 in this. And I don't know. I've heard these other texts, <laughs> but I, I really just don't. For you. I, I just really don't remember ever reading this before. It was just like a total knock on the head. Like I could have had a V8. Like what? And it says, <laughs> verse 19 says, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And again, this is an, this is another one that just makes my head hurt a little bit because I'm just like from the context of the of. <laughs> Of like you're saying this hierarchical father-son relationship. It's like, wait a minute. But I think it comes to the point where we have to realize that there's maybe something about this relationship that maybe we won't quite ever completely understand for sure while we're here on earth. But maybe just that, you know, Christ was the vessel through which God does all this. And it doesn't have to have any better or maybe more deeper component than that. Or maybe I'm just not getting it. Yeah, Paul's pulling language. Very carefully here. 
Okay. When he uses the word fullness, because the heresy that was penetrating the church in Colossae was that that was Jesus plus something that he was not the fullness. He was almost completed, almost enough, but you had, you need the secret extra sauce to make it right. And Paul's Paul is just laying down a really careful argument here. No, God was pleased for all the fullness to dwell in, in Christ. And that, that was a speaking against this heresy that he wasn't quite enough. Well, I like that because then we really are left with that in all of this, that no matter how we may understand God and Jesus, but in the fullness, in all of that, all of this is enough. No matter how we're going to divide this up or what we believe or as far as Jesus and this relationship with God, his father goes in the fullness of that, we have everything that we need. Right. We don't have to add anything to it. And as we get to verse 21, which now this one I did know, and this may be one of the best verses in the entire Bible, particularly when you pair it with verse 20. And I felt like Andy was channeling his inner podcast, Randy, (laughs) when, when he said, it is like Paul can hear some of the Colossians asking, really? God does this? We don't contribute. I mean, usually that's my line, but Andy was right on top of it. <laughs> and then verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. What a beautiful sentence right there. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. I don't know about you, but this 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 verse had me at you were once far away from God. And it quickly became clear why Andy was so excited about this set of verses last week as we ended the podcast. I mean, how else do you look at this but not feel a love for Jesus? We tend in Christianity, across the spectrum of Christianity, to make it, you were once really bad and you had to get your act together. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You had to come come running down the sawdust aisle. You have to somehow, it's you that chases down God. And Paul is very clear. No, God, God has reconciled all things to Himself in His Son, and that includes you. Uh, you know, yeah. He did this. It's, 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 not, it's nothing you do. Yeah, it's really interesting to listen to Paul talk because you can see where his growth points are in terms of where he was. And and Paul added so much years ago when he was when he was Saul. He was adding all this, and he realized how dangerous that not only caused his actions to go, but also how dangerous it became in his own life. And I think that's why he's so careful, even when he's talking with, you know, he's quick, he's very quick to add what other people might be thinking about Christ, but he doesn't add to Christ. He only, he only says, this is, this is probably what you're thinking, but Jesus Christ, you do not have to add anymore or take away anymore uh, because he is whole the way he is. And it's just kind of interesting how how Paul, who was Saul, has changed his uh, his way of talking. Either, yeah. And I think it's why so many people resonate with Paul. That you know, we can all look back to ourselves. I mean, some of us don't have to look further than this morning to find our Saul. And you know, and <laughs> we yeah. just, you know we yeah. don't. And then in a, in in the past. Andy, you're right. There's this idea that you not only had to do something, but that also, I mean, maybe something big, depending on how bad your transgressions were. I mean, you know, 
the bigger the sin, you know, on the meter, the more you had to do. And then there's almost an expectation that comes with it. Like we're kind of going to monitor you now for the rest of your life because you've committed one of the sins that we know the recivity of these are just so great. Like, you know, smoking, drinking, you know, things of addiction. I mean, backstabbing can be cured. No problem. Gossip is pretty easy to get rid of that one. But, you know, the real problem sins. And so I think a lot of people figure out that Paul... You're almost like when you listen to Paul, it's almost like you're talking to yourself. You see that same, those same qualities and some of that same journey in Paul that you see in yourself. And I think that's what makes his writing so good and so easy to digest overall. Yeah. Well, and so much of what we see every day contributes to our tunnel vision. It allows it to shape our very few of the future. If you're a mass media consumer who lives for every detail every day, this can also lead to apprehension, worry, probably depression. But Andy, I love your quote of John Claypool on how we should approach the future. The quote says, the future is where God is preparing us for the next stage of our fulfillment. And therefore, we are to lean into the future. We are to face it. We are to believe with all our hearts that the eye has not seen nor heard Neither has it entered the imagination of humans what the ingenious one has yet to give us in the future. Good grief. That's uh, that's a pretty cool way to think about how we should be looking at the future that we can't even comprehend what God has for no. us in the future. That's And we've always made that sort of the eternal future. Yeah, um, right, right, right. Versus recognizing that. All through scriptures, I think, I think one of the most important things that I said last week is that all through scriptures, God never calls us back. He always calls us forward. He always calls to us from the future into the future. And uh, he's not about whining or celebrating the past very much. He's more about calling us forward. What's next? I have good things in store for you. We tend to, to get real nostalgic and want to go back to what was. Uh, and that's a position of fear, not of faith. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating, Andy. I, I, you know, I hadn't looked at it that way, but you're absolutely right. It was just this new paradigm, in a sense, for how I was thinking. God does call us; He reminds us of the past. Yeah. In other words, yeah. He reminds us There's of lessons what we've we can come, learn. Yeah, and what we've come from, but He always calls us to the present and beyond. Mm-hmm. And and I really thought that was profound that he doesn't make a, he doesn't tell us to go back and look at our our past and waller in that. I just yeah. thought that was so hopeful. Yeah, the um, whole well the whole biblical message, the whole biblical message is that tomorrow is better than yesterday or today. Yeah. That's I mean yeah. that's over and over and over in scripture. What what will be what will be, what will be. Absolutely. And I, anytime we can use the story of Joseph in a new way to me is just like the icing on top. The, it's like my favorite story in the whole Bible. And I like how you had gone through that kind of point by point, like, hey, maybe if you hadn't been so, you know, such a jerk about the, about the coat of many colors back in the day, maybe if you hadn't been so rude to your brothers and so full of yourself about how, you know, about your dreams and all these things that happened to him, but the realization that God was never like, oh, you know, let's bring all this up. Instead, he's saying at each of these junctures in his life, he's constantly bringing him to the next and better thing, even amidst yeah, the story that's horrible. Yeah. yeah, eventually the whole the whole tribe is going to move to Egypt, and then, you know, then eventually there'll be the exodus. I mean, it's just this incredible sweeping to the future 
piece. It really is. Yeah, that really brought that point home. And like Jeff just mentioned, I I hadn't thought about it in that exact way. But the story of Joseph really was a, a really nice way to wrap that up. And it really brought that point home to me. So I just felt like overall, this this message really had a lot of little points here and there that we could talk about forever that just help in someone looking, searching, trying to find a little bit of peace right now, even though maybe the news is starting to look a little bit better and things might be evening out a little bit. But we all know that everything as far as what we would consider the old normal is probably far away. And yet, you know, do we want so much of the old normal in our lives? Can we do better and make the new normal better than the old normal? That's really one of the other things I took away from it that I thought that Joseph's story really, really reiterated to me. So, all right. This week, one of our whole life takeaways asked, when you read the Bible, how hard is it to reconcile that God and Jesus are just alike? Where is it most difficult to believe? All right. Sorry, I'm going to do this to you, but I've mentioned this like numerous times before. I've been a part of this large group that is reading through the Bible in a year with a specific reading plan, and we're currently in Judges. So this, of course, means we have just survived the trilogy of doom that is Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. (laughs) So, you know, every day at the end of this, there's, I don't know, I think there's a hundred of us total, and there's probably 10 or 15 that really engage on a regular basis with comments, not saying that other people aren't reading and enjoying and maybe enjoying our comments, but... Yeah, I was one of those people that were just like, good grief, can we go a day without, and everyone was killed, women and children, everyone (laughs) was slaughtered, nobody was spared. And, uh, you know, so many questions I have about God and who God was at that time and maybe now and the seemingly night and day differences in that portrayal between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we we talked about them. We re-asked. We kind of, you know, set our peace and then, you know, me being me, I came back to it again. Like, I don't know. I just don't understand this. This has been by far the hardest part of reconciling even God to these different portrayals of himself. Like he has the power to tell us anything that he wants to about his character. And these were the stories that he chose to tell and, you know, it be interpreted and whatever mistakes might be in there and interpretations. But oof, this or- is tough. Or they're the stories that got told about him. Hmm. I mean, so if you're if you're if you're going to a native a, a new land that doesn't speak your language, then you have to figure out ways to communicate differently. Yeah, you have to put it in the context of which the people live. That's the only way it can be understood. It's impossible for it to be understood outside of the context of the people who you're talking to. And so we have slaves that have come out of Egypt. They have a slave mindset. They can understand things from a slave's perspective. Then you have these people that they come in and they're they're in they're in this this new land after wandering in the wilderness for forty years. They how barbaric you get when you live in the wilderness for forty years? I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but these are the stories that get told about him. Sure. I, I just wrote a piece recently and, and used this and told the story about the little boy who came in to his mom at breakfast one day and said, mommy, I know what you and daddy do under the covers at night. And she's thinking, I'm a toddler, <laughs> you know, just my preschooler. I got to tell this. And so finally she's wise enough to step back and pause. And she says, well, Johnny, what is it that daddy and I do under the covers at night? And he whispers to her, you eat candy bars, you know? <laughs> and, and for, for a toddler, that's, that trumps anything that the adult mind can even possibly think about what really happens under the covers at night. You know, but, <laughs> but in his mind, 
that's the best it could possibly be. And sure. and I think that we have to recognize that the, the those who wrote scriptures, even though inspired by God, had to be he can't inspire them to speak in a different culture from which they live. They have to talk in their context. And so I'm not saying the Bible's wrong. I'm not saying it's mistaken. No, I get I'm it. just saying we have we have to see it through the cultural lens of when it was written by whom and recognize they used the best language they could to describe something that was really beyond them. But anyway, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm wandering from this week. No, topic. no, no. I, I get it. But <laughs> but this is but this is the thing where I feel like there is. You know, we have these questions, and, and in that takeaway, I think that's why it was so good, because if we can't reconcile this, and we might not have concrete, be able to put no. this to bed, but like, you know, for me, it's just like when it says God's command was, don't leave one person living, and I'm like, well, he could have chosen a thousand ways to do that. Now, maybe that culturally and whatever, that's the way it was done, <laughs> but he could have said, you know what, let the women and children, and I will, unlike Pharaoh, I won't harden their hearts, I will bring their hearts, and I will make them soft, and I will bring them to me, and we'll make them part of our community. Now, I know that's a hyperbole, I, I get it, but, I, but I'm just saying, that was where my issue came in, and we had a really robust discussion, and I'm wondering as part of this whole life takeaway, because we have to be able to reconcile our, our view of God and, and what we're challenging people today and what you challenged us in this message was everything is going to work out better and better and for the greater good and everything that God has waiting for us is better than what we already know. There's no reason to go back. But if we can't reconcile God, then we have a hard time believing that, don't we? Right. And I think I think to convince ourselves that we have the obligation today with what we know about Jesus to say, what if I understand that story to be different from Jesus is it's a gap in my understanding, not in the reality right. that the reality is Jesus. Jesus is our best reality. And so, you know, reconciling those things may be difficult, maybe impossible for us even to figure out. Sure. But same time we do we do know that God is just like Jesus. And I love the discussion of it. That's the other part is I want to encourage people, you know, send us your feedback. I would love to hear where someone else finds something that they find their difficulty in the reconciliation of the two. Because I think the conversations that we had were all done respectfully and of course and a lot of really good things that I hadn't pondered and what you just said now, that that makes a lot of sense. And I think we without it, we don't grow as quickly or as deeply into Christ as we would if we're sharing. So definitely do send us what you know, what you're finding to be difficult. Jeff, did you have something? You know, we also have to realize too that Christ is the perfect example of a, an Old Testament God, too. And he was approached many times with some of these same questions that we all have about the Old Testament. And yeah. uh, and he would he would always defer to the point where, you know what, you guys, we we did that. You know, he's speaking on behalf of God. That was allowed because of the hardness of your hearts. So he, even he is giving a latitude that God provided uh, in in those times because of the of basically their culture and uh, and what they were dealing with. So I like that. All right. Well, if you have something that you are trying to reconcile and you just don't understand it, I'd love to hear what they are. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to be able to answer every question to your satisfaction. I mean, I've been dealing with this for a long time. It wasn't like the Bible study came up and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, this is new to me. I don't know. No, I, I knew. And I knew that probably 
I would be equally as in the dark or close to it. But I feel like I grew through that process and I've been growing in this contemplation of being in your Bible every day. And then you continue to read through these stories. It just gives you a more fuller understanding. And that when you reconcile it with the New Testament, though, I'm okay with it. Look at the Jesus of the New Testament. Look at God of the New Testament. And there has to be some joy in that as well. So I'm happy that these are conversations that we can have amongst each other. So do send those in 407-965-1607 or podcast at wholelife.church. Our final thoughts from the closing paragraphs. He said the future, whatever it will be, will accommodate both our mission and our vision because of who God is and what he has done. Reconciling all things to himself, we can handle today because we are clear that the future is where the highest and best is yet to be found, and that what God wants to give us is better than anything he's given us in the past. The best is yet to come. And when you think of all the things that God has given the Israelites and and our and us and people through time, that should bring us some hope that things in the future are going to be pretty good, and the, of course the eventual future of heaven. So... All right, are we are we still in this for next week, Andy? We're still in this this year's. Oh, we're in it. We're in it for, we're <laughs> in it for a long time. <laughs> this week we'll be uh, looking at chapter one, verses twenty four through chapter two, verse five. Uh, Paul's sort of suffering for the, the church and agonizing for others. And for whom are we in agony? For them to hear and understand the gospel is a question you might want to think about. Ooh, this is good. I've already uh, I already read ahead. I just you know I got kind of got on a roll while I was going through this week's the, the the chapters for this, and it was really really good. So, all right, well that'll do it. Next week again, hopefully on Tuesday we'll have that new message podcast ready for you to go. And again, if you have any issues, if you listen on computer, please let me know, and I'm happy to work through those with you. So. Do join us again next Wednesday. It's episode 205. Remember to continue to always wash your hands, even without the social distancing, and embrace that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come, and it'll be better if you wash your hands. So thanks for listening, and have a great week.